tell me about your channel and your content and what people can expect. Yeah, well, I'm I'm Jess. I call myself Whoa Jess. Um, unfortunately, somebody stole my username and I can't get it like without the underscore. So there's an underscore in there. Sadly, um, my content has really been it's gone a lot of ways over the years. But I like to say that nowadays, with the stage my stream is in, it's very relaxing content. It's cozy content and kind of uplifting. Um, I really try to create a space that can accommodate all sorts of people, assuming they follow the rules and are nice to each other. <laughs> I actually have a very diverse and global community. Like I'm in the U.S., based in the U.S., and only 40% of my audience is in the U.S. So I'm really proud of that diversity, actually. I get a lot of chatting in with people all over the world and just learn a whole bunch about other people and other cultures and stuff. And so usually like the first hour of my stream, we sit around and we chat and, and about life or whatever. And then the rest of the time I play games badly and distractedly. <laughs> <laughs> I stream a variety. Although I say that I get very hyper-focused sometimes. Like I stream variety, but I've played a month straight of Darkest Dungeon. So um, this week I'm going to play something different, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I play a lot of strategy, simulation, management, and indie variety gaming, and it's just all over the place. <laughs> Thank you for the intro, and you know, I I met you through Kiri, actually, TD Kiri, uh, who mm -hmm. I have known for right. a very long time, and uh, you play a lot of the games, the same types of games that I enjoy as well, so uh, that's how I found you. I really love the, the like, the cozy, like, the, like, chilled out... You know, we're just here to enjoy this game and have just have fun and relax. Uh, I really do uh, love that about your channel and your community, which is very welcoming as well. I never really learned how you got into Twitch, so I think that's a good place to start. Uh, what is your history? What are the what's the origin story of of Jess getting on Twitch? This is actually very funny. Uh, one of the recent podcast episodes that my stream team has put out is like all of our origin stories. We have like a, a two-parter. And so I've talked about it recently. It just kind of happened. Um, it was, I think, like the dark ages of 2017, <laughs> 2016, 2017. And I had no idea that Twitch was a thing. I had no idea. Well, I mean, I knew about YouTube, but I didn't know that people play games and put it on YouTube. And <laughs> well, I just, I don't know how in 2017, I didn't know this. Anyways, my husband went to high school with somebody who was actually making Twitch content and YouTube content and was like pretty big and was like, whoa, check this out. Look at, look at what this person that I knew from high school is doing. And I was like, what is that? They're on this website called Twitch. They're live streaming. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I made an account and just started streaming. Like I had no familiarity with the platform at all. I didn't like know anyone on Twitch. I didn't know any of Twitch's own lore and like what emotes meant or anything. I just started streaming completely randomly. And it was mostly a hobby. It definitely was a hobby for a few years. And at some point it just became a full-time thing. And That's so amazing. I've kind of evolved. I've had multiple forms <laughs> yeah. throughout my, my Twitch life. What were those what were those early days like when you were first getting into it and learning kind of what Twitch was even all about? 
Um, I streamed to like one or two people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I had my my one or two regulars, and my my very 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 first regular was is, was a longtime Twitch user, and so he would come in and like teach me about all the emotes and stuff. And I was at the time playing PUBG, which was absolutely a packed category so i was like 60 rows down like yeah one one viewer streamer and just like what is this streaming thing all about and so like over time i just started learning about stuff and like this person also streamed themselves and was like you might want to you know like get a chat bot and like put some rules up and <laughs> <laughs> moderate some things and so there was just me having no idea like what i wanted to stream or how to stream like audio quality was terrible <laughs> the good old days yeah um, at some point i i started branching out into other games i found a game that i really liked and jived with and i streamed that like full i say full time um like that's the only game i streamed for months and i ended up that was actually my first time going from being like a single digit streamer to getting up into the 30s and 40s and sometimes the 50s and was just like whoa this is so cool yeah <laughs> you can you can like do this thing and make money doing it and and um at the time i was sort of at this place in my job where i, I kind of hit like a, a crossroads where there was no more job growth potential or i had to go and like get more degrees and things or like just really dedicate a lot of life resources to mm -hmm. continuing my education and i kind of like hit that wall and was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore, but I don't have a backup plan. And so <laughs> I just like started streaming at the time. And it only it only worked because I like lived with my then boyfriend, now husband, and we split the bills and stuff and still do. Um, but I've just always been really interested in the idea of being able to create content full time for a living. Just like since that first time I saw it, it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I imagine when you got to that point with the job, you decided you were at a you were at a crossroads. You were trying to figure out what you needed to do. What was what was the thought process, and and how did you ultimately decide to go towards streaming? So my thought process there was like I, I, I had already gone to university and I got a degree in biology. And so I had done plenty of internships, like starting with the unpaid internships to the internships that pay you like $2 an hour to eventually getting to a point where I was being paid like the maximum that a not intern gets paid, but like also not employed, like a contractor sort of like that's what I was classified as was a contractor. And so there was just no more ability to like improve my or to grow there was no job opportunity beyond what i was doing unless i wanted to change labs unless i wanted to go and get a master's degree or a phd and like that's a that's a big time sink a really really big commitment and so i spent maybe like two years i want to say i want to say it was maybe like two years streaming at night working during the day and just like really being stuck with like i don't want to go to grad school but i do but i don't like i applied i interviewed and stuff and did all the things like the testing to go to grad school and then at some point it was just like no i'm not doing it i don't have the passion for it and you know what i do have the passion for is 
streaming. And so just like, it was my quarter life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and must... I very, very responsibly and impulsively made this decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that must have been still tough, though, right? Knowing that you kind of had to make this leap from what you what you would probably expect to at least be somewhat more predictable. Maybe even, I don't know if secure is the word, but like from something you're far more familiar with and then jumping to something that, yes, you've been doing it for a while, but it's like, what what can happen, right? Yeah, well, I mean... You say that, but even my my job wasn't that secure because mm. I was I was just basically strung along financially by the availability of contracts, and so if there was no contract, I had no job. I see. Or I could you know volunteer to mm. work on the job. Otherwise, I just got paid like a just a stipend out of the grant and the contract, and so it was like maybe I'll have a job in six months, maybe I won't. Oh yeah! Wow. <laughs> That probably made and that so, decision easier then. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, ultimately, like, I didn't pay that much anyways. Yeah. So, <laughs> it it was a bit precarious, though, because I wasn't, like, partnered or anything at the time. Like, maybe... I think when I decided to quit my job, I was maybe, like, 30, 40 viewer average. But I took a month off to be able to, like, wrap up all my work and everything and came back to it. And completely changed my time slot as well. I went from being like an evening streamer, like um, East Coast, like 10 p.m. to like 3 in the morning streamer to suddenly streaming at like 10 in the morning East Coast time. And also having taken a month off, I went from like 30, 40, 50 viewers to suddenly like 10. And it was just like, maybe that wasn't the best decision. I didn't, didn't really know at the time. Like I said, it was very well thought out. It was a very well thought out business plan. And so that was actually my first time transitioning into strategy gaming because I I just like, this RimWorld game looks cool. Like, uh, Solentre, my husband, kept saying, you're going to like RimWorld, you should try RimWorld. And that's actually how I ended up meeting Kiri. And, well, I met FG, no, I met Kiri, and I met FG through Kiri. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Kiri rated me, like, way back. I think it was 2019, and she had, like, 20, 30 viewers, and I was just like, who's this? <laughs> yeah so we've known each other for a long time and just have kind of built up around strategy gaming since it's actually something i really love but i don't have the like mental bandwidth to do it myself like i really like streaming strategy games with a chat room to talk about things otherwise i think my adhd just gets right in the way if mm. i try to do it myself and so like I've since built back up. I took some more time off and built back up again. Like, so I've had multiple like starts and stops and starts and stops. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of streamers do this and it, it is very jarring, like momentum wise, but ultimately I think I've kind of made my way somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some days. I would say so. I, I definitely, when I, when I discovered you, I think you, you were well into your, strategy you know turn-based gaming so that it's at been the, a while yeah at the at the time because i think one of the first things i found you playing was RimWorld, and so which is one of my favorite games of all time and so which is like you said you know kiri you met you met her through that game and uh i think i think that's probably how i met kiri too as well as <laughs> fg so um 
all this same interest there. Yeah, actually. And that was where I first met Sui, if you know Sui. Mm -hmm. She's also on Halcyon Frequency because like she invited, well, it was sort of, she invited me to join the very first season of the hot potato, the rimmeled hot potato. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a four streamer thing. It was very small and like many seasons happened. And like through those seasons is how I met, you know, like blind. And I think that's actually how I met FG was through the rimmeled hot potato. And like all the people that I interact with like very closely now or like through the rimmeled hot potato yeah. and like now the stream team runs that as the charity event yearly and it's just this big thing it's kind of crazy yeah I, i'm very familiar with the hot potato but for those that don't know i think you could probably explain it more succinctly than i could uh what what exactly <laughs> is it and how does it work so the rimmeled hot potato initially was this idea that suey had where we would play rimworld which is a um it's a it's a colony builder basically um, single player, but we would take turns playing, save it, and somebody else would take turns playing it, and we would do this for like a few weeks. And it was yeah. a hot potato. It was a season long. We'd each play for five, six times, and then that would be it. And many, many seasons passed. I think we it got to like season seven or season eight, and we just realized. Well, I wasn't part of the decision, but I I know what went behind it. We realized that <laughs> it was just a lot of work and. In TwitchCon 2019, like we had a big RimWorld community gathering, and that was where, um, like, Subi said she wanted to try to do a charity event, and it went really well. Like, we, I think we raised somewhere in the ballpark of like twenty to thirty thousand wow. dollars, which is very respectable for like a small event. Absolutely. And then that's just kind of where the focus stayed, and so for 2020 21 and 2022 we've thrown these events but this time they've these the last times they've had bunches of streamers like 20 30 streamers it's been a like weekend event and we're somewhere up in the range of like i want to say three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, having been raised for doctors without borders over the years wow and so like it's kind of crazy we're getting near that like half million mark and it's just what yeah I remember when this was just like us four poking around with <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible growth over the last several years. And that's that's pretty amazing. And every year it seems to get a little bigger from from what yeah, I've observed. Yeah. It was originally yeah. like four small affiliates and then like partners started joining in and like as the event just kind of grew and it had its own reputation, like bigger streamers have started to commit. Like now we've got you know, like the, the big guns coming in and <laughs> and joining us too. And it's really amazing. Yeah. I don't remember what this had to do with anything. But <laughs> No, we were we were uh <laughs> we were talking about kind of how uh kind of the the growth of well how I how I discovered you through right. some of our mutual right, friends right. and then how because um, you all do the hot potato uh event together and so that's we were drawing that connection of not only do we have all the same mutual friends, but all those mutual friends plus you do the do the hot potato event. So, which I think is incredible, and I I really I I admire the the work that goes into that. Oh, I know. I yeah. definitely could not keep that organized. Yeah, that's like all Suey. <laughs> yeah, and no, and the stream team like it used to be Suey's thing 
but when she joined the team, like it became like all of Halcyon Frequency mm-hmm. works on it together. And like having eight people to split the work with is very nice because it's it's a huge thing. Yeah, it's a it's a huge. How long how long does it? Uh, how long was the last event? There was a there was a blurb like X amount of streamers, a hundred and twenty something hours of content, but it was wow. just like back to back. Like we have some streamers that get three hour slots, some with four, some with five, and it's just like one person finishes their turn, they raid into the next person, and it just it's a it's a big that, thing. That's incredible. It's an exhausting weekend for all of us because we're yeah. like awake. Is everything still working? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of coordination. So a lot of yeah getting so many streamers together to do this it's it's a lot of moving pieces so wonderful work yeah, i know to, you, to the you mentioned like how two people getting two streamers together like yeah imagine like 20 30 streamers yeah i something always goes wrong yeah it it blows <laughs> my mind but you guys pull it off every year so wonderful work to like the team and, and you and everything that you guys do on that thanks yeah so we we covered a little bit about what it was like to get started, your decision to kind of go full time. Looking back at those days, what what would you would what would you do differently now that you've kind of you're past that a couple of years at this point? If I could go back, <laughs> if I could go back and do anything differently, like I said, I had no idea what I was doing when I first started. I was just doing stuff. But 2017 was a really great time for discoverability because mm. it was it was a few years before the pandemic. It was a few years before Twitch became like super mainstream. It wasn't incredibly niche like a lot of the the big streamers that have like grown to dominate the platform. Like uh, not all of them, but a lot of them are in that position because they started streaming when like the platform was very very small. But like 2017 was still a really, really good time to grow a stream and uh, I guess like build an audience. And so I just didn't capitalize on that at the time. I mean, like, of course, hindsight's 2020, but I just had no idea what I was doing. I would go back and tell myself to define my channel, define my personality, (laughs) create some focused content similarly to how I do now and be consistent just all, all these things i i do now that i didn't do then consistency mm-hmm. just having a a theme or something to like build a channel around something to build an audience around and that's i think that would be really the main thing yeah i would have absolutely made transitioning to full-time so much smoother i would have had maybe more sense of, to have come up with a business plan at all yeah <laughs> and I mean, at the, so at the time, I didn't realize that I had, like, undiagnosed ADHD. And so, like, looking back, I kind of get a lot of these decisions, like, through that lens, right? But mm. um, <laughs> there was just, yeah, it was just really sketchy. <laughs> like, the whole process <laughs> was really sketchy. I wish I could go back and, like, do it better. But, right. Like, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Especially when anyone's getting started, there's kind of that that knowledge that would have been nice of like kind of going into it a little more planned out or focused. And I think a lot of us, I mean, I was the same way when I started, I didn't know, I know what I was doing. I didn't have a plan. I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> I think a lot of, I mean, I tends to have, yeah, that's how it, 
<laughs> yeah. No one, almost, almost no one I've talked to has just go, gone and been like, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. But yeah, I, I definitely share your feeling of looking back and saying, gosh, if I had more of a plan, it would have been, would have been nice. Yeah. I mean, like 20, 2017 was a, was a very good time. Like if we're, if we're talking stats, like viewers to streamers and stuff. And I, I think like moving into the pandemic, if I had had that baseline there, like I wasn't even streaming when the pandemic started, like I actually came back to streaming because of the pandemic. And I think that the whole reason why, like I had made these decisions to quit and come back, like it all would have been very different mm -hmm. had I, you know, initially had that plan. And so that's, that's really what I would say is just having a plan of some sort like if you're gonna make a big life decision you should probably plan it right <laughs> yeah it, and it is definitely one of those those things where because streaming broadcasting content creation that all kind of starts for a lot of people as a hobby so they they don't anticipate needing to make those big decisions um and then once they realize oh like this is something i want to either grow into more of a full-time endeavor or something that I want to like really buckle down and, and make something out of it. That's when kind of the, the time comes to focus and make the plan and do all that. What kind of got you on track with some of those things? Once you realize like, these are like, this is the direction I should take. Like what, what was your thought process as you started to realize that and kind of try to bring it together? Um, that's a good question. So like I, I had my initial attempt at full-time streaming, which I don't think went badly, but mm -hmm. it was somewhere around like when I first discovered RimWorld and strategy gaming that I kind of, it kind of clicked with me that strategy gaming is really fun. It's, it's fun to stream. Like it's, it's engaging for me. And if you, I guess do it well i mean you can stream any different way but done correctly it's very engaging for an audience and it can lead to a lot of back and forth and opportunity for like both parties to learn from each other and so a lot of very challenging games i don't think i ever would have touched i've tried on stream and been able to learn them past the point of those initial few hours and just being a complete novice yeah. And so it was around there that I kind of realized like, oh, this is like something I could see myself doing and like I can see a whole future, like a whole future that not really, but you know, like some future. Yeah. <laughs> not a five year plan, but like a couple months <laughs> plan. I can I can kind of I can I can make that happen. And so I've just kind of gone with it and over the years, I've kind of had a goal to come up with my own plan, like a five-year plan and like just become much more aware, like through like my own personal growth, through therapy and through just generally learning more about like business strategies mm. and learning from other people as well, just like how to be your own boss and how to have your own business. And I still don't do it very well. <laughs> <laughs> but I at least like have that foundation. And so 
hopefully, you know, it's something that I can keep going with over time. Yeah. I like the discovery that it took for you to get there, though, honestly. And I think that's, that's something that is pretty... Um, it's always illuminating, right? When you, you're in it, you're doing it every day, and then you kind of make this, uh, this almost self-discovery where, like in your case, these strategy-based games or these simu simulations, you're like, oh, I could really see myself doing this. At a similar almost epiphany myself when I first started, uh, when I first started, I was kind of into the uh, RTS games and the MOBAs. And so for me, it was like StarCraft, right? Like these kind of sweaty, competitive <laughs> RTS games. And, very sweaty. <laughs> yeah, very sweaty. And I got to that point where I was like, this is fun for me. But then uh, I started rewatching my, like I'd pull up a VOD and rewatch a little bit of it and be like, this is like not compelling to watch. Cause, <laughs> and, and it's not, it's not anything about the game or me specifically. It was the combination of the two things that it made it harder for me to be engaging and interacting. And so I was like, I'm going to just try other things. And I discovered uh, oxygen, not included, which uh, colony simulation got really into. That's how I met FG squared actually oh, yeah. was and and it was interesting because we were probably one of like maybe 10 or 12 people on at a time like at any given time streaming that game in that same time slot and so we would raid each other a lot and that's how i met her but that i had the same epiphany where it was like you know i could see myself playing like these types of games on stream uh it felt more natural it felt more engaging to be able to talk through things with the chat and run silly experiments in that game and do <laughs> do all kinds of weird stuff in it. But uh, like you, I went from streaming like more competitive games and I was actually a little more variety at that time. And then I almost, pr I pretty much went all in on that type of game for a while, which is how I met FG and how I met Kiri and, and all of, all of them. So I, I think that's really exciting to see that like, you kind of discovered something and then you found, Oh, this is kind of the path for me. So that that's really cool to see it. Yeah. It's been, um, I sort of look back and don't know why I didn't realize it sooner. Cause like mm. I have a degree in biology. I spent a lot of time working on all sorts of projects, but also working closely with mentors and also mentoring other students and, like teaching and being teaching assistants. And I just like, didn't make that connection that like I could stream these games and like still be able to have that sort of relationship. Yeah. Like with the chat, not saying chats, my students or anything, but it's really nice just <laughs> to be able to approach something and learn it like with the chat or mm. alongside the chat and then be able to turn back around and explain it and make it entertaining. Yeah and make make a game that people might be scared of fun and yeah so i like i don't know why that didn't come to me sooner <laughs> <laughs> right in hindsight happened. yeah in hindsight it's it's a lot clearer now uh yeah I, I love those those types of games too because partially to to teach other people because you know when you when you spend enough time in a game you make a lot of things look easy and then you can <laughs> you can show people how to how to do the same and uh 
yeah, I I think that's I think that's a a wonderful like way for you to have found your your path doing that. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you did mention you were undiagnosed with ADHD at the time, at least early on, and then yeah. uh, as you're going through your creator journey. So you were undiagnosed at the time. Yep. Now looking back at it, you you kind of t touched on this earlier, like some more things made sense looking back at it through that lens. What particular things about knowing that about yourself now is more clear that didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time? ADHD can present in a lot of different ways for different people. I have inattentive type ADHD, mm. which basically means you got, it's not so much the hyperactive type, it's more head in the clouds type. Mm. Um, very prone to forgetting, very, find it very, very difficult to make plans and stick with plans. Like making a business plan is like just painful, the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would find myself hyper-focusing on, which is, a, which is a characteristic of ADHD, hyper-focusing on things you find interesting and being like so wholly unable to start and commit to projects that like weren't in that sphere of interest, including like going to grad school or like writing essays for grad school and taking tests for grad school, interviewing for grad school. <laughs> I was, I was kind of getting there because I had someone holding me accountable, like a mentor at the time, but I just realized like how almost painful, like literally painful it was for me to go and do these things. And on the flip side, like hyper-focusing like so hard on the stream, but like it's not just like work life that's affected by ADHD. It's also a lot of personal things can be affected. Like it can be hard to um, maintain relationships and also can be very difficult just to have relationships, especially like with partners and things if like you don't really know how to manage your emotional dysregulation, which is like a, a key component behind ADHD. And so like, actually my husband has ADHD as well. And we were both undiagnosed and like me getting diagnosed helped him get diagnosed. And so like for a few years, like things were like really rough between us. And so that had a huge impact on like so much of my life between like starting streaming and where I am now, which like, not going to go into it because it's not at all a topic to talk about really. I don't want to bring it up, but that whole bit, like the turbulence there, like between my own ability to make plans and really meet my aspirations or like to set an aspiration and then meet it, like set goals and meet those goals and maintain friendships and relationships with others. Like, it was just so much like turmoil <laughs> and discord and stuff. And at the same time, like I was living with like depression and anxiety under the radar, which since being diagnosed and like going to therapy and things, I've learned that it's comorbid anxiety and depression that have come about as like coping mechanisms and, and things for undiagnosed and untreated ADHD. And so knowing it now, like through that lens, I'm so aware of like all these decisions and things that I made and or didn't make 
and why and it's sort of it's sort of frustrating but at the same time very enlightening uh thank you for sharing that i know that that's a deeply personal thing to share and talk about so i appreciate you sharing that i imagine that makes something that's already difficult even more so uh because i think getting started as a content creator is especially as someone who wants to like grow their content and their community that's already a difficult thing without like baseline that's difficult and then you layer on these other these other things to uh work through like adhd and the other the other yeah it, things it definitely at the time felt like just like constantly slamming my forehead into the wall mm. because i'd be like i see the point across the across the the rift and like why can't i just build the bridge to get there and like i'd have the same conversations with my husband like what like what uh, why why is everything like this and mm -hmm. it, like it was a point of contention and upset for me and for like between us and just life in general yeah as you got diagnosed and you learned what that meant for you and your time as a creator how has understanding that about yourself helped your content creation i only was diagnosed maybe like geez where's the time going a year and a half ago it's like mm. <laughs> only a year and a half ago it feels like maybe six months for me mm. <laughs> but geez it's it that's a that's a big one like i did like start going to therapy and everything like as a result of a lot of things I encountered in my life like some 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 years ago and like talking through all these things like realizing that I was living with depression and anxiety and like I kind of knew that too because like I've lived with depression since like I was a teenager uh, younger than that um but just sort of going through that process of of therapy and you know, like the Shrek thing, peeling back your onion layers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it just allowed me to become very introspective of what I was feeling. And just through internet rabbit holes, I like discovered just a random YouTube video on ADHD and was just like, whoa, this is so familiar. <laughs> and yeah. so like this is, it's actually the channel How to ADHD, which is a very popular uh, educational channel on ADHD. And I just like, I watched the whole thing that that channel had, to, like all the content that channel had to offer and other channels. And then I started reading, like reading papers, reading like articles, all sorts of things. And just being like, yeah, no, I'm like fairly certain that <laughs> this is something that I'm dealing with. And mm. it can be difficult to get diagnosed. So I like built this whole like case and stuff and went to the doctor and was like, this is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> I think I have ADHD. I just need you to put it on paper. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, she, she agreed with me. And so since then, I've been treated for, like, all the things, depression, anxiety, but also, like, ADHD. And ADHD medication is, like, can be very dangerous stuff. And so I say this with the preface of, like, don't self-medicate for ADHD, like see a doctor, it can be super dangerous. But uh, being introduced to ADHD medication, like Adderall in my case, has been like extremely life-changing, mm. like night and day. It was like putting on 
glasses for the first time. As someone who like got glasses the first time and was like, whoa, trees have leaves that you can see. That's what <laughs> it felt like with medication. Right. <laughs> and so it's been so much easier for me to be a content creator because I can plan things and work with myself and understand what I'm dealing with. And like, I still really struggle with setting goals and meeting goals. And like, I'm, I feel like I'm fairly transparent about that with my community. Yeah. Um, I forget a lot of things. Like I've got a mod team that, that is very good at reminding me yeah. about stuff and just like keeping me on point. And uh, it's actually just kind of become like just a piece of the channel. A lot of neurodiverse folks have found their way there or discovered themselves like that they have ADHD, autism, or some other like neurodiversity themselves. And so I've kind of just been able to embrace it and be a lot more open about my mental health and also be much more focused in my planning and my outlooks and things comparatively. Yeah. There's still, there's always work, there's always improvement, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, uh, it's great that you can take, you know, this thing that you have discovered is a part of you and really, uh, like you said, embraced it, but also used that time and that discovery to also be able to talk about it with, you know, with me here, but also more importantly, your community and your uh, mods and, and everyone in, involved with your content. So um, I imagine it's had a wonderful impact on a lot of people uh, who also are going through that or are discovering that they are uh, neurodiverse in some way. So thank you for sharing that. I really, I really do uh, appreciate yeah. it. And I think it's great. I think it's great that you're <laughs> willing to talk about it and share that. It can be difficult, but a really big, for, for me anyways, like I really believe that being able to talk about this stuff is like really important for destigmatizing mental health in general, but also helping yourself to accept these things about you and like be more honest and confident in who you are, even though it's difficult. And I, I imagine it's difficult. I think it's great that people who are going through that too or learning about it or have known that they are dealing with something similar can look to you and say, yeah, I, I see someone else like me doing this, like doing this great thing and also bringing awareness to it. So that's really awesome. Thank you. Awareness is really important. Yeah. Now that you've been, gosh, you've been doing this for a couple years. Like you said 2019? 2020, I think, is this this most recent life form, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's like talk because you, you did mention that you kind of you started and stopped and you kind of uh, like you just said, it's you've had different forms what what's it like like shifting gears and repositioning yourself and your content as you discover something that uh, might be the new direction what's it like for you to try to navigate that coming coming back to streaming in 2020 at the start of the pandemic because i i was working as a bartender at the time mm. and the pandemic happened and i was just like yeah i'm out so i 
like sat around on my hands for maybe like a month really unsure of what to do with myself like i don't have a job i do have a twitch channel but i haven't streamed on that in like a while i'm really scared to hit start and then like one day i just did it and um i had a lot of people that supported me doing it like mm. fg kiri and largely the housing frequency team i wasn't on the team at the time that just like act welcoming me back with opening open open arms and just really helping me get my footing again mm. and so instead of streaming to a fractured audience like actually having like a step up to be able to to grow and everything and so going through that and and trying to figure out what it was i wanted to do was definitely challenging but like i i didn't really change that much from like when i when i quit and come, came back i was still playing the same things like rimworld i just like picked back up where i was with rimworld and mm. so yeah i don't in, entirely know what your question was originally but <laughs> yeah so here, here's the the adhd of the whole thing like yeah i'm just no, rambling I, now no i think i think you, <laughs> i think you're good it was it was more about like the the question was more in line of What's it like to kind of shift um, focuses and how has that been for you? But uh, I think you kind of covered it in that, you know, it, it despite some of the changes, you still kind of figured out your way and you were still very supported by a lot of the people that uh, you know here on Twitch. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was what prompted me to initially join the stream team. I, yeah, I, um, actually reached out and was just like, yeah, you guys are like really awesome. I work with you closely anyways. Like, can we just can I join your team? <laughs> <laughs> but luckily they said yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can we make this official or? <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. a lot of people thought I was already on the team oh, <laughs> for, yeah. like a, for like a year. I was yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. We just work really closely <laughs> together. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the stream team a little bit for those that aren't familiar with your team. What are they about? So my, my stream team is Halcyon Frequency. Mm -hmm. um, we are, there's eight of us and most of us are full-time creators, but we are creators that are very much so into the whole like strategy and indie scene. Mm -hmm. And so everybody on the team kind of approaches us a little bit differently. It's not like a requirement to be on the team. It's just like how we've all met and things through the years but initially it was kind of like a we're a group of full-time streamers that really want to showcase these indie gems for you and things and that's that's since changed we've like the rosters changed a little bit and stuff and so now we we're a group i said there's eight of us and we have a bunch of different things going on so like we have the Rimmeld Hot Potato, we've got the Dwarf Fortress Hot Potato that we've had somewhat recently. Um, we've done game jams and have had some other things in the works, like ways that we've kind of crossed our streams, you know, mm -hmm. in in ways. And very largely, we've all kind of built up around being not just like strategy gamers, but more so being inclusive and... I guess I'm hesitant to say positive because I think there's a distinction between positivity and toxic positivity, 
but mm. positive <laughs> <laughs> and just generally creating a larger community like that's not just like my community or theirs like shared community of people that can all enjoy and appreciate these sorts of games and yeah. so like we have a podcast as well i don't think i mentioned that and so like we have a lot of projects going on yeah. <laughs> a lot of things we try to do to raise awareness in in gaming like a number of us on the team have varying degrees of simulation sickness which is like when your brain doesn't agree with your eyes and you get nauseous playing games or other like nauseous just a symptom Mm -hmm. I experience it to an extent, but not like some of the others on the team do. I know a lot of them, and and there's some wonderful people uh, on there. I, I'm most familiar with with you, Kiri, and FG, to be honest. But um, just a wonderful because we're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm told. That's yeah, I've heard the joke. I've heard, <laughs> but yeah, you're. It's a wonderful team uh, that does a lot of great work. Uh, you do play a lot of you kind of have overlap in terms of like the games that you play Rimworld being oh, one yeah, and, yeah um, totally there's there's so much overlap and but at the same time like very different things going on and I, I really love it I definitely don't really lean into like a lot of the more classic strategy games or like roguelites and things and so it's really nice to have like blind irl he's like yeah. the go-to for like rogue anything and dwarf fortress and whatnot and so it's just so awesome to have this team of all these different backgrounds and things and generally speaking having this shared interest in gaming and wanting to build a a community around it but then like everyone's kind of got their own little niche yeah inside that bubble it's it's really cool yeah now it's wonderful and as we talked about earlier uh, as a team, you you organize the the hot potato with RimWorld and now Dwarf Fortress. So, just fantastic, fantastic work uh, for for the whole team. So, um, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Free Heathen asks, "What has been the brightest moment related to your stream community?" I will say, like throughout my entire time streaming and learning to be a streamer and be a content creator just the community that has kind of built up around it is has been, just been so like wonderful they're so welcoming and supportive of each other supportive of me and inclusive and i used to have a very hard time being myself on stream or like being closer to like who i truly am and over time just being able to open up and like be welcomed for it you know it's 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 nice to have such um wonderful support and some amazing people involved it's it's sort of a lot of little things like i have shown up to my stream before just in like very bad headspace like very bad headspace kind of days and just mm -hmm. said that and been open about it and then yeah. people are just like that stinks. Here's virtual chat hug. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and just, I guess, like growing up in a family and like just general community of people, like in school and stuff that were like very, very, very judgmental mm. regarding mental health and, and things. Like being able to be open and honest about that is really empowering, kind of. 
Not even kind of, definitely. I'm glad that you are in a place that you're able to be open with your community talking uh, about those things because it I think for many it's not it's not always easy to talk about or even share so it's 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 nice to hear that uh, you're able to do that it, it certainly <laughs> I have a similar feeling about my community and that I wouldn't have it any other way you know it's, it's just it's just nice to be able to to be open and talk about those things. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know that not everyone doesn't have to present themselves and have that kind of channel, but I like to have a, a channel that where, where I'm as genuine as I can possibly be. And like, it's not difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's not difficult with my community. And like, it's, I really truly appreciate them for it. What keeps you inspired? as you continue to make content and grow your community? Staying inspired, uh, honestly, is something that I, I struggle with. Mm. Especially with content creation, numbers and stats can be really crushing. Mm -hmm. And like, they're kind of designed that way. <laughs> yeah. There's been like documentaries on it, like, you know, just what social media does to your brain and everything. and some of it is meant to be that way just to keep people coming back and so my logic brain knows that stats aren't everything it's like not a measure of the content you create mm. or your community or anything but the emotional side of me can get like extremely discouraged over like the smallest things <laughs> like yeah. if i have a really great stream a lot of interactions you know um maybe a lot i make a lot of money viewership is high and then the next day like i don't know viewership's less it, it happens and then suddenly i'm like what why didn't i just quit <laughs> mm -hmm. i should just quit right now this <laughs> yeah and like so between all these things like adhd depression anxiety i feel like i spend half of my time just keeping my like boat afloat <laughs> mm -hmm. where it comes to inspiration for the stream yeah but it is really uplifting, like knowing that I'm my own boss. And also I have to remind myself that content creation has been like the most fulfilling job I've ever had. Like I've had a lot of jobs. I've <laughs> bounced around a lot in my life and it's really just a, it's the best I've, I've had. I've, I can, like I said earlier, have an intersection of like my, my love for learning and teaching others, but also with creativity, because like I have a very creative side, mm. like I love to build things and make things. And like a, a lot of my colony builders and things usually turn into like fancy design projects and stuff, like just being able to have my own creative freedom, have my own schedule and just be my own person is like, that's very inspiring in itself, mm -hmm. but that's, that's always the, the dark side, right? Like just walking the line between motivation and discouragement when it comes to this sort of thing. It's like such a great job to have, but at the same time, it's so terrible for some of these reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, I've done, I've, I've felt the same way. I've definitely have equally felt amazing about it as well as then also very not amazing about it. 
<laughs> very much like, <laughs> why am I doing this? Why am I? But yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I love that you said, you know, that just even being able to make those decisions and have that creative control yourself in and of itself can be very uh, inspiring and in a lot of ways empowering, right? To be able to say, this is this is my ship to steer and I can take it wherever <laughs> I want. But that can be scary too. Yeah. <laughs> it can be very scary because it's it's on it's on you, right? Like you make those decisions. That viewership like the stats in general can just make or break like your attitude and your perspective on what you're doing. Yes, I'm extremely susceptible to to exactly that so i don't stream with viewership on like i ask that people don't talk about viewership mm -hmm. or like mention numbers or anything because like instantly I'm, I'm like analyzing stuff like how's this gonna affect my ccv and yeah <laughs> you know so i like i i just ask that nobody talks about that like while i'm live and if i'm in a spot where i know that i'm very influenceable mm -hmm. about my own stats like i sometimes just won't even check them like yeah, yeah, cool. Stream did the thing. Yeah. Like I'm I'm paying the bills and stuff. I don't need to know what my viewership was this week. Yeah. And I like think... that's that. I just won't even I won't even look. I think that's great. I think a lot of us could learn from that because I mean, I've been there. I've been there often where, you know, you see those post stream numbers even. Like I, I'll leave it off. I'll leave the viewership number off the whole time and then, you know, I either happen to be clicking through my dashboard or I get the freaking email and silly enough to click on uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, why'd I look at this now? Yeah. Now... <laughs> it just it overwrites like any feeling of accomplishment that you might've had for the day. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you could have had a great stream. Like there's a number of metrics that I, I have for what a good stream is. Like, did I make a good amount of money? Did I have good viewership? Or did I have a lot of, interaction and follows like these are these are all like in their own ways good metrics and so if i have a good day in any of those any or all of those manners and then see the stats and it, it can just shut me down and be like why do we even bother that was the worst dream ever yeah <laughs> which makes it so tough right when you are already i think i think a lot of us creators are in that moment already hypercritical of where we are of the content or just how how a stream goes in general and then you layer on something like the stats and it's like you may already be in a in a not not great place and then you see the stats and then it makes you kind of feel even even worse about it like you i i mean i turn off my numbers I try to actually also, uh, I'm not as, I'm probably not great at it, but I try not to look at post stream numbers if I'm like, if I can help it. <laughs> but like I said, like I said, I get the email and I'm like, oh, oh, yep. Saw it. You just gotta disable um, the emails. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, I just need to do that. It's certainly something that's difficult, especially when you're, when you're in the moment and you're streaming, you can kind of gauge how it's already going based on chat activity. Yep. You totally can. Yeah. Unless you have like a super lucky day. <laughs> I've done this before. <laughs> just been like, okay, I it's 
it's fine to lurk, but like y'all are still here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm feeling really insecure right now about how the stream is going. Can you just confirm you're still here? <laughs> let me know. Uh, let me know how are you guys doing. You guys doing good? Do you have any tips for th for people who want to break into content creation or who want to get started? Yeah, I got lots. Okay, <laughs> let's let's hear it. I think one of my big one is setting expectations mm. because, like, this is from my my own experience first starting streaming, having no expectations. It made me very aimless, and I just had no idea like what I was working towards, and so like setting goals and setting some expectations about like what you want from streaming like if you want to go from being a brand new twitch account to paying the bills like you gotta really manage those expectations and stuff. yeah like that's just not how it's gonna go um a lot of content creation is trial and error and just trying new stuff even though it's really scary sometimes and you're like no one's gonna show up for this trying some new stuff and then like watching your own content it's like cringy it was the worst when I first started doing this, like watching back my own VODs and just like wanting to like pull my eyeballs out. Like, this is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad, but you really learn a lot from it. Just watching it back. Like if you won't watch your own content, then very likely other people won't either. And so that's a really big part, I think, of breaking into content creation because so much can go wrong. Like we've said multiple times, like lighting, audio, and you just don't know because a lot of chat members are really polite and they won't tell you that things are uh, yeah. working. <laughs> I appreciate it when people do tell me, but like I don't go into other people's streams and be like, hey, your green screen's showing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like if you watched it, if you watched your VOD back, you would maybe see that. And goodness. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things. It's not about like the equipment you have, and it's really learning how like what kind of personality you want to be, knowing like what you want to aim for. Like I said, expectations, and like this is what I wish I could have done better. Yeah, like having a plan and knowing what I was aiming for in the long run, because I I think that it would have changed my entire like twitch outlook and i not to say that i like i don't like where i'm at now i just like sometimes yeah. think about it like mm, man in like 2018 if i had just done all the things i'm doing now then mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would this situation look like you know it's <laughs> the the list like just really goes on there's there's so many things <laughs> but i think i think those would maybe be my big ones is, excellent you know no, those are those are super helpful. Expectations are huge. What was one of the biggest lessons you've learned in content creation since you started? Like there's there's been like me, I've changed a ton since yeah. I first started streaming and like all of this has kind of happened while building a community and building a stream from the ground up and I think my content has more come to reflect that, like the changes I've gone through personally and professionally. Mm 
Yeah. And so I, I guess to kind of give all that a point, I would say learning to be myself. Like that's what works for me. Like being a, a genuine streamer, being who like more so who I am. I kind of tone it down a little bit because I think that I'm really weird. <laughs> like in real life, I think Celentre is the person who like sees me be like truly off the walls. Tone it down a little bit and we're just saying a lot because I can already like kind of just be very scattered and all over the place while streaming. <laughs> <laughs> and so just being able to embrace that. Mm. Like learning to create the content that, oh, I got it. The, the content that I want to make and not the content that I feel I should be making because I want to emulate somebody else. Mm. Like I've spent maybe, I want to say too much time looking at other creators and seeing their success and feeling very pressured to emulate what they're doing. But it just doesn't work that way, at least not for me. Like I've had the most success just being myself. Yeah. And playing the games that I want to play, not that I feel like I should be playing. And being genuine. It's a recurring theme on this show. Yeah. And it, it <laughs> comes through most of, most often. So I agree completely. And I think that's honestly, personally, what I have struggled with in the past was seeing seeing what others do, right? And it works for them. And I'm like, oh, do I... Do I need to do that? Do I need to do this thing? <laughs> do I need this redeem? Or these this this gag that they do? Is that will that work for me? And then I have to talk myself out of it because what works for someone else may not work for me and it may not be sincere or genuine to me as a yeah. as a person. Okay, but the the worst is like I've come up with a lot of ideas that I've like bounced around I've noodled with them, you know, in my head and been like, that's stupid. I'm not doing it. And then mm. somebody else does it and it's like a huge hit. And I'm like, I <laughs> thought of that first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had that idea first and yeah. I could have been the one to pioneer. <laughs> right. And it's happened so many times. Like I just, mm. I'm like learning to believe in my own creativity. Yeah. That's important. <laughs> honestly, I think that we question ourselves a lot as creators I think because we we worry that if it's especially if it's something that is new or really different, we begin to wonder if there's a reason why it's not already being done or because it's not typical, is it going to land the way I think it's going to land? And then, <laughs> yeah, and then you begin to question, you begin to question and maybe even... Um, you know, straddle the line, like, maybe I should do it, maybe I shouldn't, is this, and I think, I think more often than not, especially if you've been doing it long enough, trusting your instincts is always, is always good, right? Yeah, learning, learning to listen to your instincts, but also learning to be confident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I've hinted at it, I think, throughout the whole thing. Like, confidence is not something that I grew up with, like, just for reasons mm -hmm. <laughs> that we don't need to go into. But right. yeah. uh, learning to be confident, like, I, I think faking it till you make it is, like, somewhat valid, actually. Like, I've been yeah. told 
I'm very, I'm very smiley on stream and everything. And like half of it's just a coping mechanism because I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been told I'm very giggly and people like it. Half of it's because I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. So I can relate. Yeah. Confidence is, is tough. I'm willing to share this in that. Uh, I definitely struggled with that as well for reasons. And so uh, it made that the focus of my own therapy when I was uh, in therapy for several years. Um, worked on, had to work on that. And confidence is tough, like, especially when you do stuff like this. When you're a content creator, you you put yourself out there. You're trying to grow your channel and your content and build a community. Confidence can definitely, if it's con if confidence is not in the right place, it can it can wreck you. Like it can make this, it can it can make something that's already difficult, like I said earlier, <laughs> even more so. And so, uh, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's tough. It makes it tough because you're already wondering if what you're doing is right, right, so to speak, like if you're doing it the right way or if you're doing something that's uh, successful. And then you worry that it's not because maybe you see the things like the stats or have a have a stream where it's not as engaging. And so then it becomes a question of. Wow, am I just not good at this? this is... <laughs> right. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I know that I know that one. But yeah. you know what? I I would say that I wouldn't have been able to tell without you sharing because I think it's really cool how you've gone and like made this this talk show, this podcast and like spoken with so many people. Like I think that takes a lot of confidence. Real <laughs> real or not, like it, I the idea of it to me is like terrifying. Just even <laughs> even being on a podcast is is terrifying. I can't yeah. imagine running one. Well, thank you for those those kind words. I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, and it yeah it's it's tough. This goes back to me earlier saying that I still get nervous before every episode. I still get a little, uh, yeah. I still get I still get a little anxious going into it not for anything other than am i doing right by the guest right like am i doing am i serving them in the way that i would hope that would make it a good experience for them and that's that's what makes me nervous right like in addition to all the other things like that's kind of like the top layer is like <laughs> i want to make it i don't want to waste people's time and so that that's what ends up being my concern as well as being in front of people having to talk and appear like I know what I'm doing when I think <laughs> half the time I don't <laughs> even know. I do. it's, um, it's much easier when you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just transparent. Like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm very nervous. Yeah. I'm going to puke. <laughs> Let's buckle in. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny because like uh, the the I'm gonna puke thing is something that I do like I get before, I mean streaming, I've like, I've grown accustomed to, 
And I think early days of streaming, I kind of had those feelings. But when it comes to public speaking, I can do it in smaller groups, right? But then mm -hmm. when it becomes something that's like company-wide at work or it becomes uh, something like front page of Twitch, even though that's that's not physically there but like the the scale is far different right when you know that there's going <laughs> to potentially be a lot more people i was on front page of twitch for a thing that i did through work and i was at twitch hq getting ready to like go on stream with some partners to play a game and i was like in the bathroom dry heaving for like 10 minutes <laughs> before i had to get on a computer and know that i was live and uh so i <laughs> yeah i get that i've been <laughs> um, i think my closest experience to that was one of the hot potato events mm. i had a front page slot and like there's just always i feel like something that goes wrong and so i try to like start early you know like yeah like, my time slots you know in an hour so i'm gonna start now so we can just iron out everything that's going to go wrong. Otherwise, <laughs> right. like, I might just, like, have a mental breakdown in the middle of the stream. And, like, the, the last time I had the front page slot, I actually got, like, the front page and ended up with, like, 17,000 viewers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, like, wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. really glad that we trialed this all out. Yeah. It's such a different feeling, isn't it? Like when you're yeah. doing doing that on a front page event. It's like a little easier because I could just like, if I have nothing to say, I can talk about charity and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, it can just be a, a, a broken record. But yeah, it's just, it's something else. Like the first time you're on front page, like, and not just on a piece of the carousel, but like the the front one like when you open the home page and like that one stream is there mm -hmm. like that's there's like twenty thousand people moving through like the twitch front page like at any point in time and it's like it's it's bonkers yeah what is in the future for you and your content oh i have no idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I've, I've been talking about all these plans and things that i try to have <laughs> Right now, I'm kind of just playing catch up with the plans that I've already committed to, or the like the things I've committed myself to formally and informally. And it's just very difficult. Like time management, I think, is one of my worst skills. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 forever ongoing time management and and things, executive dysfunction, ADHD. So right now, the future of my content is like to catch up to like the point that I want to be at right now, as far as, like I said, like projects and background things. Like I have a lot of streams and things I need to catch up on. I'm still supposed to dye my hair a certain color as a charity reward. Mm. <laughs> Working on it. I got the hair dye. Nice. Um, uh, Ultimately, though, like I, I really do hope to be able to grow my channel. Like I, I don't so much have like a, a very like stringent idea of, of where I want to be, but it's so more so that I want to reach a point in my content where content creation is sustainable. Mm -hmm. Like 
the business itself is sustainable because as it stands, like I said earlier, I split everything with my husband, but like if something were to happen and like he lost his job or something, like I, I can't support, even support myself fully, like with like being able to stream and like pay the bills and stuff. So yeah. ultimately my long-term goal is to take my content to a point where it, that in and of itself is not a concern. Right. But like it, as it happens, living in the U.S. is insanely expensive. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. And so, like, that's it's like I have to make oh, like double what I was making with my last real job, right? Like, mm -hmm. as a as a scientist and stuff, I have to make double that that paycheck to be able to say I'm self sustainable. So, like, it's a long journey to get to that point with content creation. Yeah. <laughs> That does not happen easily. Yeah. The vast majority of creators on Twitch don't make enough to live. No. Yeah. It it absolutely varies by region. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's super crazy expensive where where I live. Yeah. Well, I do wish you the best in in getting <laughs> to that goal. Uh thanks. Yeah, That's it's not... I have like a, a lot of other plans and, and and like visions and things of where I would want to take my content, but a lot of it just really requires me to have a bit more discipline because like streaming is already so much work and like prepping a stream, streaming and ending a stream and just like keeping that going is already a full-time job. Yeah. And so like other projects to like grow YouTube or, you know, any other Twitter or TikTok, whatever have you, like Instagram, um, those are those are just like more part time to full time jobs stacked on top, and like discipline yeah. and, and time management is so integral to the formula, and I don't have it. Mm. It's <laughs> tough. It's tough. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, I see a question from Free Heathen. Is there a good self care? Are, are there good self-care things you do to decompress from the stress? Yeah, I, I, I have a number of things. I really enjoy um, working out, although I don't as much as I'd like to. Just, again, time management and planning. But I, I really enjoy, like, stretching. I enjoy exercise. Um, doing a lot of things uh, like yoga meditation and like introspective activities all are i find very helpful for decompressing yeah just keeping up with other hobbies too which yeah. I, I don't do so well i actually find it cathartic though to like work around the house hmm. and like get get house projects done i find that really stress relieving man this has been such a great time getting to know you just want to ask really quick where can people uh find you <laughs> okay my main platforms are twitch youtube and twitter um, i'm on discord and stuff too but you can find me here on twitch with the links and stuff that guests are give you um on youtube and uh, yeah youtube and twitter though the underscore that's in the middle of my name is actually at the end mm. because there's a there's an imposter out there who oh, no has all my all my usernames <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've 
my my YouTube channel is a largely VOD content that's like been cut down, but I do have some like original stuff going on there. Twitter's not my favorite platform. It wasn't before all the Elon stuff, and it still isn't my favorite platform. So I'm on there occasionally. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I'm most active, I think, on Discord okay. and on Patreon. Twitch.tv slash woe underscore Jess. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here. I got to thank you for just the time. It's been wonderful getting to know you, uh, your your outlook on content creation, and just getting to, to hear your story. So I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me and giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to leave the episode for the guest to close out. So. Uh, oh, no. Yes. So <laughs> uh, however you would like to leave the episode, whatever thoughts, final thoughts, reflection. I'm, I'm unprepared for this. Closing words <laughs> you might have. I, I'll give you a second to do so <laughs> as I thank the chat. Thank you, chat, for being here if you're here live or if you're listening to this as a VOD or as a podcast or over on YouTube. Thank you for listening. Thank you, chat, for joining us today and more and more for hosting and inviting me to be here. Um, now let's cross this stream to the other side. Ooh, I kicked my desk and wrap this up.